0: Hello and welcome to the Future Work Life Podcast. My name's Ollie Henderson and today's guest is George Bettany. He's the co-founder of Sanctus, a mental health gym that supports thousands of people at businesses across the UK with coaching that blends personal and professional development with proactive mental wellbeing support. We had a fantastic conversation that covered a range of topics, not least why despite the challenges presented by COVID and multiple lockdowns, one lasting positive has been more openness to discussing mental health in the workplace. We also talked about how leaders should approach discussing mental well-being, thinking about work like a high-performance athlete, and the pros and cons of leading a mission-led business. George explained why entrepreneurship is, to him, a creative endeavor, the positive links between physical and mental health, and the importance of community in growing Sanctus and in George's personal life. George is an incredibly impressive leader and entrepreneur, and I really enjoyed our conversation. If you enjoy it too, then please feel free to get in touch with either of us. Our LinkedIn profiles are in the show notes also make sure you subscribe to this podcast and to the Future Work Life newsletter for more on subjects like mental health, entrepreneurship, peak performance and the future of work. Finally, as you probably know by now, my book Work Life Flywheel will be published in January next year and it's available for pre-order. George features in that book, so if you enjoy listening to him today, I think you'll enjoy reading the book as well. Now, without further ado, let's go on to my conversation with George. I started by asking him whether COVID was a tipping point in our openness to discussing mental health at work.
1: Definitely. I think we've been, I've been doing this for since 2015, 2016, and our message from day one was trying to change the perception of the the conversation, the approach, the way that we access, the way that we work on ourselves and our mental health. And it felt like we were banging on doors trying to get people to see that too. It's almost like we'd seen this and felt this and we wanted others to feel it and see it too. And there was obviously a wave of people that saw that with us. And that's kind of where the community all evolved from. But then, yeah, there's still lots of people that hadn't experienced that. And I I think what a lot of, like my own mental health journey, I think a lot of individuals' journeys with their mental health, there's a moment which is typically a bad moment, a difficult moment, where you don't have a choice and you have to face yourself and where you're at. And, uh, yeah, people have that moment in different points in their life, whether it's a death, grief, you know, um, a tragic event. A a difficult moment, and that's usually the tipping point for individuals. Whereas with COVID, everybody experienced a a a moment of grief, a moment of huge change, which led to a loss of a way of life that what that once was, and we all experienced that. So for so many people, it was almost fast track, you know, the fast track in terms of experiencing something, having to face yourself and face your mental health. And as a result, I think a lot of people have made a lot of it's it's been so, so challenging and difficult, which it always is. But it's meant that people have made a lot of progress, I think, and a lot of businesses and a lot of organizations and a lot of individuals have come a long
0: way. So without a doubt. Yeah, I think in this case, there's something in it, in the fact that we've gone through it together. It's almost easier, isn't it, with the collective experience? I don't know if you have ever read the book Life is in the Transitions by Bruce Filer no I'll, I'll send I'll send you a link afterwards uh, i read this early in covid and it's in my fresh in my mind because i've just been editing a chapter of my book which i talk about it and mm. he talks about the fact that through life we have these what he calls life quakes these significant events and th- by going through that process on the other side we then have a transition we create some sort of positive change on the other side and he, there's various different types of life quakes there's collective or individual and there's voluntary And involuntary and a voluntary one might be, well, I fancy a change in my career. And that's difficult. It's difficult to do that, but it's voluntary and it's individual. Well, actually, the opposite of that was COVID. It's this involuntary collective lifequake. And I Mm. think because of that, it allows us to share that experience. And I think that's provoked change, which is, it's got to be a good thing. And obviously, from your point of view, you're seeing that on the ground, if you like, within companies and seeing different companies respond to it differently.
1: Yeah without without a doubt and I think it's that I mean when the pandemic first hit there's there's always a level of resistance I think I felt resistance to to it in in one way or another trying to avoid that pain trying to avoid that discomfort um whereas when you almost let go and accept now this is this is impacting me and this is happening I think that's when the pain or the the process starts um and Mm -hmm. you know the familiar grief curve of the sort of the, the cycle that you go through from almost that resistance to pain to a feeling of depression to a feeling of acceptance there is a natural curve um mm. yeah and we've i think uh, with a lot of organizations and businesses that we work with it often comes down to the the ceo or the senior leaders in that business having an experience of their own mental health so they have an empathy and awareness and understanding and appreciation of what people might be going through, are going through. And I think they were the early adopters of something like what we do and and just mental health in the workplace in general because they'd experienced it themselves, whereas you now have had so many leaders and people in those positions that have experienced that for themselves and as a result have then realised it's something they need to change
0: and prioritise for their team and their employees too. I'm interested actually on that point. How important do you think it is for business leaders to lead from the front when talking about well-being? Because they may well have experienced it, but I think sometimes it's still one of those subjects that not everybody's comfortable publicly discussing. Yeah, I've seen leaders do it,
1: you know, completely. I think what's important is doing it authentically to to you. So I've seen leaders share their entire story, really share Mm -hmm. it, really share Experience, like you call it, a life quaker a moment that they've been through. And that has had a profound impact on the culture and a huge, you know, a big company. Seeing somebody, a leader, be vulnerable and share something that's close to them, I think has given permission to others in that company to say, oh, well, if our leader um, is open and shares, then so can I. But then mm. we, you know, I- I'm probably the last person that would do that um I'd be the person that I believe in it but I'm not quite don't feel safe enough brave enough I don't really feel like it's I'm I'm ready to let others in to like parts of my story um there's definitely mm. parts of my story that I haven't shared that I don't feel like I'd like to but I can still lead from the front in terms of sh- having empathy listening um and encouraging people to um yeah do what they need to do for themselves to be themselves at work so I think it's down to it's down to you, and, and for you as a leader, as an individual, to be authentic to what's true to you. And I think I've seen that work in so
0: many different ways when it's done in that way. Mm. How much separation do you have between your work and your personal life? Do you actively draw a line between the two, or do you find that they're actually complementary? Is it even possible for you to separate the two? It, it's a,
1: it's it's such a fine line. It's such a fine balance because often. I've seen always seen businesses like a creative expression it's a mm. it's often yeah you create something which is an expression of you it's a something you've you know and then maybe that's different for different entrepreneurs but I think for me it's always I've seen it as a creative endeavor really so to create you have to express yourself so without a doubt there's so much of you in it you know the values the the problem you're solving the, the what the world you're trying to create it's so it is so personal because that's where the drive and the passion comes from, and the the motivation. But then I think I've learned the hard way that you need to. Ju- I need to just be George, uh, and, and just me within that. I, I am not mm. Sanctus, Um yeah. it's, it's a fine line. I think James, my co-founder, struggled with that. Um, maybe more than more than I. I think it was even more close to his heart, the founding of Sanctus, that I think he almost couldn't differentiate between two at times. Um, yeah yeah and I see it in so many entrepreneurs that 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 balance and I think it's for me it's been about having other things I was just mentioning the running Um, you know my my family my girlfriend having other things that ground you that are outside of work rather than only having sanctus Um, I think that's Mm -hmm. where you lose balance and you lose perspective and it's short term as well I think you can you can do that for a while, but it's not sustain- It's not sustainable. I'm not m- my most creative when I'm just all into something. It works for a while, a period of time. And then people call it burnout, whatever that is to you. I, I feel a sense of fatigue and tiredness. I need to get energy, perspective, ideas from mm-hmm. other places um, so that it feels balanced. So I think it's just the way I've done that is through learning and failing with that and um, understanding what works for me over time and also i think there's more role models of that now i think when i first started my first business was 2010 and just the idea of balance and Mm. even that as a word wasn't role models anywhere it was just Mm. it was just work hard um yeah so i think there's more there's yeah there's more awareness understanding more stories told of successful people successful businesses where leaders haven't uh, yeah show more of the, their story that have inspired mm. me i guess
0: yeah i think I, I i started my first business in 2009 and it's the same thing there was still a culture of you know the taking a, it was a point of pride working crazy hours and pulling your laptop out in situations where you should have been just having fun with your face and things mm. like that and actually. I think that is one shift we've seen. And we might argue that it's not come fast enough. But actually, I think within the space of 10 years that these, a new type of behavior has been normalized, which is having conversations like we're having about being open about the challenges. You know, I think that's good progress, generally. And I think it definitely last couple of years. It's jumped on a bit. But on that point, by the way, about identity, essentially, <laughs> like being able to separate your identity from that of your business. And I think it is... I don't think it's not exclusive to entrepreneurs or business owners. I think you can be defined by the job that you do. I mean, even the question most people ask when you meet for someone for the first time kind of tells us that, what do you do? You know, Mm. I'm a, I'm a lawyer. I'm an accountant. And I don't love that question. I think it's, uh, we could probably think more imaginatively about the types of questions we open with, but certainly think from the point of view of people pivoting careers or transitioning, that can be a really hard thing to go over, actually, creating a new identity. For me, I was a business owner. I worked in digital advertising, and that's what I said to people every time they asked me that question. And suddenly, when I was pivoting career, I said, oh, actually, what am I about? And um, it's a really interesting challenge. So, and I guess then from your first business to your second, you've probably learned some lessons even from that experience.
1: Honestly, I can't re- resonate with that more. Where it came from for me was quite, was quite was much younger. I was um, good at football and I played for Derby County. So I played at a top level football for my whole childhood. And obviously you're so young, you don't really know anything else. But what I was often, literally every time I was introduced to someone, especially by my dad, it would be, this is George. He's good at football. This is George. He plays for Derby. And so for my whole childhood, I had this uh, front that I was used to. And I actually got released that, the age of 19 just just i wasn't good enough and i don't think i enjoyed it enough to work to 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 give him my mm-hmm. all it wasn't quite me i was just good and i remember vividly then going to university and being so nervous of just being george uh, i'd never had that before and that's actually part of my entrepreneurial spirit came from i remember then once i had time and space to just that wasn't football training and games I remember this energy came through around, you know, Dragon's Den, The Apprentice, uh, Richard Brandt, books of entrepreneurs. I remember feeling this like, wow, this excites me. But then there was also another side of it, which was fear and anxiety and insecurity of not having something that kind of wasn't just me. So I remember wanting to create something partly because it was in me, partly because of insecurity. And I remember going to university in my first week and I started a watch repair business because I would learned to fix watches um and i remember it, freshers week it's the first thing i told everyone it was like i'm george i've got a, i've got a business i'm george i've got a <laughs> I i have got i vividly remember my first couple of weeks and it was just pure anxiety pure anxiety yeah, just being yeah. like hey i'm george pause um i was yeah so i can re- re- resonate so much and i think you're right i think i've learned more i've done so much work i guess through the work that we do on myself and removed a lot of that i guess it's still there but i'm much more comfortable now just being me and yeah the question of what do you do which I try and avoid so much more these days i'm more interested in who, who are you what do you love what do you enjoy yeah, doing yeah. um what you're scared of I, I love to get to know somebody far deeper than you know
0: what do you do is so much more to you than that well uh, onto the, the purpose bit because I, I suppose the nature of your business now is that if you can have a a positive result is that somebody, you could tell me, but I guess, first of all, that they might speak about their mental health, but also that they get access to support. And that can have quite a profound in, impact on people. So clearly, it's a business which has got a really you know, important purpose at its heart. Now, that must be rewarding. But I wonder whether, in some ways, it was easier when it wasn't a business which had such a Mission behind it. Do you see what I mean? I wonder whether actually, in some cases, being so attached to this big purpose makes it more difficult to separate your your work from just who who you are. You know, suddenly, are you defined by you're the mental health guy? Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I wonder. It's it's a big one. It's sort of it's the double edged sword. Such a good question,
1: and and it's so true. It's definitely that the weight of some of our decisions, which if it wasn't for the work that we do, shouldn't have felt so heavy, mm. have over the years felt heavy and have felt like they're huge, huge decisions. And I think the that that has come from so yeah, kind of a almost a perception of expectation of people wanting us to succeed so much that yeah, you don't yeah. want to let people down. And then there's also this weight of um almost like internally the team rather than join this company we're here to make money and if you'd like to make money too this is a great place for you and we'll have some fun along the way that's kind of I guess typically most companies they have a purpose or a reason for existing but it's more our purpose and reason for being and the thing that brought everyone together was this deeper mission and Mm. so that's what attracted our, our our team, our early employees, our coaching team, even our first customers, our community. And I think, yeah, it, it's such a big part of their life as well. I think internally leading that, I found really, really challenging um, because often it wasn't my heaviness. It was others that I couldn't separate from. I couldn't yeah. disconnect from. I, I wore it to I wore other people's what's the word expectations too heavily on myself and that's meant that at times it's been really hard to lead um yeah and it's been really challenging
0: i'm interested about on the positive side of all of this i mean clearly making an impact must be as i said incredibly rewarding but on a more practical basis day to day again you're in your second your your second business now and i could probably make certain assumptions about Aspects of your character which makes you want to be <laughs> a business owner because however much it's glamorised, it's bloody hard sometimes to do it. But what is it that energizes you day to day? What's the thing that makes you get out of bed in the morning or at the end of the day think that was a cracking day? I did X, Y, and Z. What sort of things are you actually doing that that make you feel good about your work?
1: Hmm. That's God, these questions are so good. Um I, I feel I get I get energy from from seeing positive change or impacting someone else. I, I always have done. I've got a brother and sister. Um, I'm the oldest, and I get I've always am a mum. You know, I've always had this thing of even playing football. I was the often the captain of the team because I would love see, just being able to look at somebody and say something or hear them and see them believe or see something in themselves. And then change, or, or you know. Um, so I think that's been in me from a young age, and I guess with Sanctus, it's been scaling what I would try and do with my family and friends, and on teams to like br- giving others that 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 space that can mm. help in- improve their life. It's just there's no better feeling. Um, so the, the the energy I get, we get feedback within our after a session somebody can leave feedback on the impact that it's had for them and some of it is just it's it's almost so good that it's it you can't quite take it in you can't quite um comprehend the the impact that it might have had on that person's life and that you just kind of got to you kind of know and that kind of get is what gets you out and out of bed um and, and keeps you going um so it's definitely that and the second thing is it sounds weird, but it's just come to me. It's like being myself. It's waking Mm -hmm. up and feeling like I can just be me. There's something in that that drives me that I I believe is important for me to express my full self in life and in the world and what that then leads me to create and and not achieve, but create. And then I kind of want to inspire or help others to just be themselves too. So it's through our work, the experience, the product, the brand, the community helping people, and then me personally being myself and excited by what that might mean and create and then how that might help others to be themselves too. I think that is that is just almost like my life's um, purpose, really. Um, mm. It's what I always was striving for and needed, and I think it's what a lot of others are kind of striving towards too or would love to have too. It's
0: I, don't honest, sense, I, feel, I don't think anyone's ever asked me that question, so it feels weird to say it out loud. Well, that's good. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to have asked you something which has uh, sort of made you think slightly differently. Uh, I, I think that idea about being yourself again. I think in the best companies with the best leaders, that is something which is cultivated. But actually, it can. I mean, certainly in big organizations, that you know that's quite common, isn't it? People say they feel like a cog in a machine. Actually it's quite difficult to to feel like yourself and you're bringing your unique skills and passions to the table when you're part of a bigger organization but it's not to say it's impossible that's what I think what characterizes great leaders in those big companies and frankly I've never really worked in a company of that size and I'm always quite amazed at the job that people can do in order to engender that type of individualism in a positive way mm. um, but I do think it's characteristic of people who start businesses and entrepreneurs I mean you know and, and call, call it what you like but having sense of autonomy and independence and ability to, to you know craft things in a way which allows you to be who you want to be is often that you see it a lot i think with, with businesses so it's great and, and to be able to pass that mm. on i think is really important i, yeah. I think one, one thing i wanted to follow up on that you mentioned community there mm. H- how do you cultivate community and i suppose outside of sanctus specifically do you try to connect with people who are in a similar position other entrepreneurs other people who are at a similar stage of your journey yeah I I think community I didn't understand that word when I was growing up
1: and when I look back to the times I felt my lowest I've not had one the support or space to express how I'm feeling I haven't felt safe enough to process and speak out so so Sanctus coaching, for example, a, a dedicated space to work through that. I, cr- I created that because I needed that. Mm. But the second bit I felt was lonely. I felt isolated. I felt like I was the only one experiencing that. And I think I, I had no sense of belonging. And I feel like working through my challenges and understanding myself in isolation doesn't fully solve the what I see as society's problem there's two parts to it there's there's that having a safe sanctuary space for you and the second bit is a, a sense of belonging which we we lack uh, i don't think it, the workplaces are currently from, for nine, for so many of us it is our place of belonging so if you don't have that or a sense of that where you can be yourself freely then yeah you can do all the kind of coaching and therapy in the world but you'll still feel alone so from day one we wanted to, we we basically shouted about that and i think Community for us was really about people believing in a mission, an idea, a vision of the world um, that they wanted us to shape and create. And I think community stems from there. It's a central force, a central why that others believe in too. So the more we spoke about it, the more it would just attract people that believed in the same thing. And and that's, that's it. And then from there, you know, Community for us started as a blog post, as a newsletter, as a social media post, and then we did meetups. We did coffee and catch ups. We did comedy nights. We've done runs. um, Everything we've done so much, but it really all comes from that that place, really, and others wanting to to do it too. Um, And how I've then sort of created community for myself outside of Sanctus. I've always, I think, I've struggled. I think. Uh, Yeah, I think I've never, I've got a couple of friends that are entrepreneurs too, that just values-wise I really connect with. But the the typical entrepreneur founders dinners and events, I've never never felt quite like it's me. Um, But more Mm. recently, my running, the same thing has sort of happened with, so I've been running more and then expressing myself and being me. And that's attracted other runners who are local to me. Who said, "Oh, I've noticed you're running on Strava. Let's get." And then so there's a small group of us, um, and that group has grown. And I, I, the more I've shared of my running journey, basically, the more uh, you know, I've been running to feel good, running for myself, over running for time. Other people that that sort of um, has attracted other people that feel the same way that would like to run for the same reasons. So I've got kind of a almost a community now of others that run for that reason. You've got a share sense of purpose, um, a sense of belonging, mm. you're active. It's kind of all the, the core pillars really of what good mental health looks like and it's a community. Um, so I feel like I belong there as well. So it's been a really nice, important pillar for me, I think, in my life,
0: which I can see in others too. You touched on something there, the connection between positive physical and mental health that's something I 100% have noticed myself over the past couple of years I think I got through those long lockdowns those long lockdowns basically because of exercising really I've been able to just get a sweat on and Mm. uh, I still use that now actually on those days where the, the more challenging days when you know feeling a bit down no, I don't I find there's nothing better to than uh, just you know kind of getting my head down and doing doing some exercise a bit of yoga or getting on the bike um, and actually I just I didn't do that before I think because I had a back problem I used to play a lot of football when I was younger as well and I had a bad back from a young age and I used that as an excuse not to really do anything during my 20s in terms of exercise and I've rediscovered really that and I think it's, it's come alongside as I've had young kids and yeah it's difficult having young kids you don't get enough sleep you've mm. always got new stresses and strains to to deal with and I think with that come more mental health challenges and probably check for the first time having to sort of face up to that and I definitely see the positive effect of physical exercise along that alongside that which I probably just didn't even appreciate before
1: it, there's no doubt um it's health we see it as health really and there's physical yeah. and mental within that and it's very very difficult to have Let's good mental health if you if your physical health uh, maybe isn't in good shape in one way or another whether it's an illness an injury um just generally it, 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 they are so intertwined that when you start even just the smallest steps around being active whether that's a walk um something as simple that that creates momentum with your mental health there's, there's just no doubt about it and if you're not then it does the opposite for your mental health so i think yeah being active in whatever that way whatever that means for you um it creates huge momentum when it comes to your mental health and then yeah the two other bits for me have been the pillars is, have been being active having a sense of purpose so for me it was running and then it you know it's a 5k work towards work towards a 10k work towards a half just that sense of mm. i'm working towards something there's something deep that humans need on a deep level To be working towards something, it's a sense of purpose. I think it's just so deep within us, and then it's that sense of belonging and community. You know, running with others, others that are on the same journey. They're they're the three. What everything I've learned over the last six years, that they're the core pillars um, of of Mm. me, my my mental health. They're the the, the core pillars. So
0: I think, um, yeah, it's incredible, really, what that's done for me as well. And they're all intertwined, aren't they? I think you can't focus on one thing in isolation and uh, I, I talk about the flywheel effect of our work lives um which is going to be my book it's a bit of plug-in mm-hmm. for my book already now you see getting into a bit of it <laughs> but um and actually within that is like there's various things you mentioned there's the sort of mindset and uh, i'll ask you a question in a minute about that about goals but i suppose it's more around making progress towards something creativity and experimentation community learning all the time and actually the, the last bit i talk about breakthroughs but really when i talk about breakthroughs it's actually it's what the outcome from the things which we often forget which is taking time to rest and reflect <laughs> and then again here's a question which i see a sort of paradox between your life because of your advocating positive mental health and with that you know an essential part of that is ensuring that you've got enough time to step back and rest and reflect but of course what typically characterizes the journey of an entrepreneur, particularly a business which is growing fast and takes on mm. outside investment, is that it often is work which is hard and long hours and very stressful. So how do you manage that? How do you take time to to stop and take, I say, practice what you preach, I guess, in this mm. case?
1: I mean, I, I look at it as a, you know, from my athletic background, as an, as a top athlete, you build towards peak performance, and then there is a rest and recovery phase to be able to achieve that again. There's no athlete in the world, there's no that that is operates optimum peak performance for 12 months a year. It, it's just not. It's just not how the body works. And so I think I've taken more and more. So I didn't at first, but I've taken more inspiration from the high performing. Sp- athletes of the world than I have traditional stories of entrepreneurs and I think it you know building that into my life and into my work and into the business's culture is I, I just believe that that is how not only is it good for your general health and well-being I genuinely believe it's good for performance it's proven yeah. so yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's almost like an, an unrealistic expectation of mine of my own self-judgment and insecurity really to expect myself to operate at this level of performance for seven days a week five days a week so I think it's about creating those that space in your day in your month that where there is rest recovery space time and, and I think the more important thing is like allowing yourself the permission for that I think a lot of people maybe practically know but on some level don't allow themselves to build that in because there's a fear of I don't know it's a yeah, there's a resistance to it. There definitely was for me. There was a resistance to slowing down. You know, it's actually at times easier to stay in that, at that pace uh, because actually mm. just stopping can be quite scary. And I, I understand that. I appreciate that. But I think once you start just being becoming aware of that and noticing that and maybe stepping into that a little bit more, there's so much gr- growth. Um, yeah, I've just done this marathon and the, the guy that's been helping me, the, the, my coach said, Everything you've done over the last few months now, this rest and downtime is where your body rebuilds and grows. That's where the growth is. So, yeah, I've just I've trusted that more and more. The more work I've done on myself, the more trust I've had in these, in this empty space, this rest recovery periods. Because I think that is where I've probably grown most.
0: Yeah, I think that was my biggest lesson in the in the, in the last few years of running my business just the value you get from it because I mean look at it from an athletic you know physical point of view but also cognitively there's so much evidence to show that taking that time to to stop and reflect improves creativity improves productivity and obviously importantly it improves longevity because when you're running a business it's tempting to always focus on the short term but you know it's a long it's a long old journey turning founding a business and then taking it and growing it and scaling it and having an impact in the way that you Mm. want to do doesn't happen in a couple of years We could be doing this for five ten years and what you don't want to be doing is having a great time and performing at your best for two years and then be out of action for six months because you do burn out so Yeah. yeah it's so important
1: i saw it i've seen it in the marathons i've ran that it's such a long journey it's such a long distance that you have to you have to pay attention to that. I've seen, I've seen people, you know, so many people stopping or collapsing or getting to a certain mile and they just can't, can't go any further. And often that is to do with trying to push and trying to get somewhere that your body actually isn't able to do. And so it gets you a a few miles. It might get you from mile 13 to mile 15, but it's not going to get you to mile 26. It's just genuinely too far. Um, you can't get away with it at that distance and it's the same with building a business it's too far so you have to listen to yourself listen to your body yes you have to put in a lot of work you have to train hard you have to the, the run itself is difficult without a doubt but if you're feeling that you've got to slow down if, if you get to mile 20 and you can just if you actually listen and you're mindful you can feel it and you just you've got to take your foot off the gas just a little bit and, and listen and 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 slow and go slower i think too many people try and run a marathon too quickly and that is what happens in so many businesses um people pull ahead and it's like wow they're doing well and and then actually it's not sustainable so and it often comes down to listening trusting yourself listening to yourself and not being afraid to listen to that and go do you know what maybe i do need to slow down just just to get my breath back
0: um yeah it can be scary to do completely yeah uh, with that, then I, did, I just wanted to come back to something you mentioned earlier. I'm interested in whether you actually actively set goals for yourself, you know? Because I mean, you, you mentioned there you had a short-term objective, which, well, mm. I mean, actually, I mean, like training for a marathon, actually, it's not a short-term objective. It's a lot of hours, and when you've got to train months in advance, then you know, it's it can seem a long way off, which is why probably lots of people sign up for marathons and then never bloody do them because mm. it's suddenly like three weeks away, and I think I'm never going to get there. But I suppose in terms of your life and your career, have you set definitive goals for yourself or do you have a rough idea about what you want to do? What, what's what's your sort of process to be able to identify what you want to achieve and then how you're going to get there? What's the process of how you're going to get there? I've, it's re- I've had such a breakthrough
1: with this because I used to be so outcome oriented. Um, I think from sport, again, it, it's so interlinked. Maybe I'm just thinking about it a lot because I've just done this, run, But with football, it was all about the result rather than the rather than being free on the pitch and playing the best I could. Of course, you know when you step on the pitch, you want to win. It, it's, it's a given. You know you want to win the league. You know you want to win the game. So the goal is there. It's intrinsic. It's just there. Actually, the key yeah. is then letting go of that when you're on the pitch and, and just giving it rather than being obsessed by it. I was so attached to the outcome that it would crush me because I'd spend so much time in my head, literally during a match, worrying about the future end of the game, will we win or not? And worrying about what's just happened. Oh, I did that wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I was constantly in the past or in the future and not present and not free. So I didn't perform at my best. And I think that was so deeply almost trained into me that when it came to business, I was the same. I wanted the business to be a certain size, I wanted it to have a certain amount of people, a certain amount of impact, some amount of revenue. And I was constantly, until recently, honestly, until last year or two, I was attached to where we should be um, and where I want it to be or where I wish it was. So constantly judging um, on the past. Oh, we should have done this. I could have done that. I would have done that. Or I wish it was here. It needs to be here. Constantly striving. And I think the marathon completely changed that for me because i set the goal of running a marathon which is the goal i want to complete a marathon i want to do a marathon the best time i can but i accepted that i can't quite control the time that i'm going to run it mm. i might fail i might walk i might not be able to complete it i might do a fast time i might not i'm all i can control is what i my plan and what i give each time in each run and just focus on each run and follow that I let go of the outcome, but it didn't mean I let go of the goal. I just let go of almost the outcome. So the direction is clear. And that process and that experience completely flipped because I completed it. And it was so transformational. I realized, wow, I've completed something great without obsessing over the outcome. And so now with business, the way I feel is with Sanctus, I know I want the brand to be bigger. I know I I want it to reach more people. I I know that that's it's as simple as that i want it to reach more people i want it to have more impact mm. i want it to be a a, a well known brand because of the impact that it's had that direction is clear in terms of like what that looks like i honestly feel so detached from that now it's weird i feel so mm. light because all i can control is this moment and today and as long as my actions are contributing towards that as best as i can everything else will be what it is so yeah i just feel The only way I could describe is lighter, more free. I feel like I'm performing better because I'm less attached and and in my head and I'm more present and more mindful with my decisions and my actions. And I just believe in it. I I, I think I've proven to myself that you can achieve great things like from the external perspective. A marathon is seen as a great thing. But when I crossed the line and everyone was giving me that praise, I can't explain. I didn't feel like it was that big. I I just kind of felt like, you know what? It's just another run. I've enjoyed every run on this journey, and doesn't it was weird getting kind of praise for it? It didn't. I I enjoyed it, so yeah, yeah. My approach to everything else in my life now, goals-wise, and especially business-wise, sits with that.
0: Yeah, so I find goals. (laughs) It's difficult sometimes to reconcile different experiences I've had with goals, because undoubtedly, like you say, having a clear vision of what you want to achieve is important actually and a lot of the scientific research on it shows that actually literally visualizing that thing can make a big difference mm. but it can be paralyzing sometimes when you get too granular I think that's the problem with business planning and in, in the nature of we have been through the process of raising mm. capital I mean you have to include projections in that but there's sort of an unsaid thing I think between um, investors and businesses to a certain extent which is we all know that this is not how it's going to play out. But you have to just you know, indicate the direction of travel. And I think that's probably the key thing, which summarizing what you said, which is having a goal, understanding the broad direction of travel, but not not getting too hung up on the individual steps to get there and just taking them one step at a time seems to be, from everything, all in you know, hundreds of conversations I've had now with different people, seems to be kind of landing. it doesn't sound very scientific, that part, but I think that as a philosophy feels like the right approach.
1: I think it's a mindful approach. I looked at Emma Raducanu in the US Tennis Open final and she she knows she wants to win. She knows she, that's why she's there. Her whole life is, is for that moment. And I, looked, she, there was a shot that she missed and it would have been easy there to then go, oh God, you know, hold on to what's happened yeah. or to worry about the future. I'm, maybe I'm going to lose this moment. I remember mm-hmm. watching her and she fully let go. And she was just on to the next shot. And it, was, mm-hmm. it, gave, it gives me goosebumps now because I, I was like, that is ultimate performance, peak performance, is being yeah. able to let go and be so present and in the moment that you then make that next shot and it's just the next shot. Um, and I just think that's, that is how to perform at your best. And it definitely is true yeah. for me. And even with the run that I did, I, I had a the, similar to your relationship maybe with an investor or with a board or with a team. You set out the plan, like with the marathon training, my coach said, look, this is the time I think you're capable of and this is the what we're going to follow. And I could either be attached to that so much so that I kind of run mindlessly or each time i set out to run what is on the plan, I mindfully try my best to run as close to that as I can. And if I don't, I'll let it go and move on to the next run. And if I do, great, yeah. move on to the next run. And yeah, I'll get as close to that time as I am meant to get to. There's no... No amount of worrying and obsessing will get me any closer. And I think it's the same with business. It's setting the trajectory. The numbers are often a uh, best guess, the best forecast, considering what we know today. And then it's day by day. You do your best. You get as close to that as you, you, you try to. Don't judge it and you keep moving forward. Um, the, min- the minute
0: you get too hung up on where you should have been or where you could be, is that's when it becomes paralyzing. Yeah, I had um, Damien Hughes on the podcast. He's one of the hosts of the High Performance Podcast, talking about high performance uh, with Jake Humphrey. And they've got a expression they often talk about, which I just think sums this up so nicely, which is be clear about where you're going, but flexible about how you get there. Perfect. Well, look, George, really, really enjoyed chatting today. Is there anything else you want to share with us before we wrap up? I, just, I really appreciate the conversation. I think um, the more I'm... The, the
1: question you've asked today have, have, have kind of helped me express I think things that I'm starting to put together around performance physical and mental health and like my background of, in sport and how that's so interlinked with what I'm doing today so mm. I just really appreciate you having me
0: on today and you kind of helped me express some of that today so I really appreciate it well, I appreciate your time and uh, I'll put links of course in the show notes to Sanctus's website and to your profile and I know you don't mind people getting in contact to, to introduce themselves so George pleasure and that's my conversation with George Betterley. I'm sure you enjoyed it as much as I did and if so make sure you subscribe to this podcast for more stuff like that and also to the future work Life newsletter where every week I write about themes like mental health entrepreneurship peak performance and the future of work So next week, I've got another great guest. He's a Pulitzer Prize-nominated author. He's one of the world's leading experts on flow. And he's got some incredible insights about how to achieve peak performance in your work and personal life. So until then, have a great week.